What follows may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of Audit. Is it too soon to say I have seasons yet? I don't know. I don't post enough. Tonight, I want to talk about murder, intrigue, mystery, and the loss of young life taken way too soon. Tonight, I want to talk about the death of Elisa Lamb. So first things first, I want to take a minute to say thank you to everybody for the positive feedback on episode one. I really appreciate it and it helps me understand what you guys are looking for and what I can do better. I'm up to a grand total of 43 downloads, so pretty much an overnight success. And I know what you're thinking, Jeremy, is all of this newfound success going to go to your head? And the answer is yes, and how dare you speak to me. But in all honesty, I am very grateful for any kind of feedback I get at all, and I appreciate all of you for listening. So I originally heard about this story, uh, actually when it came out, to be honest, but I heard more about it in depth on the Box of Oddities podcast with Kat and Jethro Tull. Uh, If nobody's listening to that, you should, because it is hilarious and fascinating. But the story is equal parts sad as well as fascinating just because we don't know what happened. We don't know the story. We have an idea, but this is one of those things that I don't think is ever going to get answered. And it happens to be in a place where a lot of those kinds of things happen. You know, the city of Los Angeles, like things happen all the time all over the world. But like, especially in America, this is the place we hear about these things where they just either... They go unreported or they go unsolved, and it's crazy to think about, but a lot of this stuff comes out of the Skid Row area of Los Angeles, and I think that's kind of par for the course, to be honest, but it's interesting. So let's just get into it. In February of 2013, Elisa Lamb's body was found inside a water tank on the roof of the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles was reported missing on January 31st the same year when she didn't come back from her vacation and her parents grew concerned and called the LAPD for help. The circumstances surrounding her death have been cause for a lot of intrigue and mystery and people have multiple different theories on what could have actually happened from accidental death to murder. Elisa was born in Vancouver, British Columbia and her parents were immigrants from Hong Kong. They own a restaurant in the city of Burnaby, which I hope I'm saying right, which is a part of the Vancouver metro area, and she was a student of the University of British Columbia, though she was not registered for classes at the beginning of 2013. At the time of the incident, she was 21 years old. She was a couple of months away from her 22nd birthday. Apparently, Elisa was interested in fashion, and she started a blog in 2010 called Ether Fields, which covered fashionable clothing and pieces of her life, which we'll touch on a little bit later. But in 2013, she takes multiple Amtrak trains and city buses to arrive in Los Angeles on January 26th, where she checks herself into the Cecil Hotel. 
Now, for those of you who are unaware, which is most likely everybody, because it's not really a thing you know, the Cecil Hotel has a huge history of unexplained deaths and murders and weird things. All this craziness at the location inspired the 1991 film Barton Fink by the Coen brothers, as well as season 5 of American Horror Story Hotel. The Cecil was built in 1924 for a million dollars, and within five years of it opening, the United States sank into the Great Depression. The hotel itself did okay until the 1940s, but within the decade, the area became more and more populated by transients and was nicknamed Skid Row. And eventually, by the 1950s, the hotel had gained a reputation for being a residence for some less than reputable clientele, and the reputation of the hotel did start to decline. As the area itself became worse and worse, uh, suicides and other violent deaths on the premises of the building became more frequent. The first suicide reported happened in 1931 when a guest named W.K. Norton poisoned himself. Actually, a lot of suicides started happening between the 40s and 50s, and by the 60s, residents of the area came to call the Cecil the Suicide, which is wildly unoriginal and disappointing. In addition to that, the Cecil also became a residence for adulterous couples and drug activity and prostitution, and it was just generally not that great a place to be. Something interesting, though, in 1947, the Cecil is supposed to be the last known location anyone saw Elizabeth Short alive. Elizabeth Short would go on to be called the Black Dahlia, which has become one of L.A.'s most famous unsolved murders. It's arguably one of the most famous unsolved murders in American history. In 1964, a long-term resident of the hotel named Pigeon Goldie Osgood, which is a fantastic nickname, was unfortunately found dead in her room, having been raped, stabbed, and beaten to death, and her room had been ransacked. A man named Jacques Ellinger was charged with Osgood's murder, but he was later cleared, and her death also remains unsolved. Quite possibly the most infamous and most unsettling is that in the 1980s, the hotel was rumored to be the residence of serial killer Richard Ramirez, nicknamed the Night Stalker. Ramirez was known to be a resident of the Skid Row area, and from 1984 to 1985, committed multiple counts of murder and sexual assault. He was arrested in August 1985 and died in prison at the age of 53 in 2013 from B-cell lymphoma. And I hope it fucking hurt. Like, the whole time. But that's a story for another time. He was, however, rumored to stay at the Cecil Hotel for a few weeks during his span of crimes, and he might have actually committed some of his crimes and retreated to the Cecil Hotel afterwards. And if that wasn't bad enough, another serial killer, Austrian Jack Unterweger, stayed at the Cecil Hotel in 1991, and it's rumored that he actually intended to copy some of Ramirez's crimes, but that's a matter of speculation. While he stayed there, he strangled at least three prostitutes for which he was convicted in Austria, and he hung himself shortly after conviction. And you take all that, and you add the death of Elisa Lamb in 2013, and it's just a long, horrible history for this building. And you would think a building with such a violent history would be something that the city of Los Angeles would want to let fall apart and be pushed to the wayside. But that is not the case. The building was actually bought in 2014 for $30 million, and the company acquired a 99-year lease on the property in order to preserve it and architecturally restore the building. 
and in 2017, Los Angeles City Council voted to deem the Cecil a historic cultural monument, mainly because of the historical significance of the architect who designed it. So now that we're caught up to the present day, on January 31st, Elisa Lam is reported missing. So during the search, guests at the hotel start complaining about bad water pressure, and later they actually claim that the water is coming out of the faucet and the shower head's black, and that it tastes unusual. But some guests reported that if you let it run for a minute, it would eventually run clear and still taste funny, which they just chalked up to, that's what it's like living in L.A. Which is fucking horrible to think about. I'm sorry, but if your water is black and tastes funny every time it comes out of the faucet and you just go, it is what it is, then I'm gonna fucking move. Fix yourselves, you you nasties. So on February 19th, a maintenance worker found Lamb's body in one of the 4,000-gallon water tanks which provided water to the guest rooms, the kitchen, and a coffee shop. The tank was subsequently drained and ended up needing cut open because the maintenance hatch was too small to get her out. As I said before, she was found naked, but the clothing she was wearing earlier in the day was found in the tank with her, as well as being covered in a sand-like particulate, which I think is just science talk for sand. She was also found with her watch and her room key. So the coroner's office was quick to call this a case of accidental drowning, meaning she got into the tank to potentially skinny dip, and the tank closed on itself and she was unable to get it back open. There was no evidence of any physical trauma or sexual assault or any self-harm markings that could be evident of suicide. Because she was found in water, her body was moderately decomposed and a little bit bloated, and because of that, toxicology tests were rendered incomplete because not enough of her blood was usable. What they were able to find were traces consistent with prescription medication, as well as some non-prescription painkillers like Sintab and ibuprofen. They found a very small quantity of alcohol in her blood, but other than that, no other recreational drugs. Also, the coroner's office had decided that Lamb's bipolar disorder played a significant factor. Elisa had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder as well as depression earlier in her life, and she had been prescribed four different medications to treat this disorder. Her mental illness was kept a secret by her and her family out of fear that it would affect her academic standing. And while they claim that she has no history of suicidal thoughts or ideations or attempts, She was reported to have been missing for a brief period during a manic episode. In her blog I mentioned earlier, she would post regularly about her struggle with mental illness. In January of 2012, she posted that a relapse at the start of her current school year had forced her to drop several of her classes, which she said left her feeling, quote, so utterly directionless and lost, end quote. She titled the post, You're Always Haunted by the Idea of Wasting Your Life, after a quote from novelist Chuck Palahniuk, who wrote Fight Club for the Uninformed. She was worried that her transcripts would look odd and suspicious after many withdrawals, and it would result in her being unable to continue studying and attend graduate school. So once her bipolar disorder became known, investigators theorized she might have just had a psychotic episode which was further substantiated by the fact that when she checked into the Cecil Hotel, she was originally assigned to a shared hostel-style room with multiple roommates, which was on the fifth floor. 
However, she was moved to her own private room after two days because her roommates kept complaining about certain odd behavior. So while her death was ruled an accidental drowning, the investigation was unable to determine how she got into the tank in the first place. The doors and stairs that had access to the roof's hotel were locked, with only staff having the passcode and keys, and any attempt to force them was supposed to have triggered an alarm. They're also unable to understand how she got into the tank by herself. All four tanks are four foot by eight foot cylinders propped up on concrete blocks. There's no fixed access to them, and hotel workers needed to use a ladder to be able to get to them, of which there were none in the area. The lids are supposedly very heavy, and they would be very difficult, if not impossible, to put back on from the inside of a tank. And another strange thing is that police dogs that searched the hotel for Lamb even went to the roof and were unable to get any trace of her whatsoever. But while it would have been difficult to get to the roof for a guest, after Lisa's death became public knowledge, a video surfaced on the internet that showed that the roof was easily accessible from the fire escapes. And when the man recording the video went to the roof, he found that two of the water tank's lids were already open. So perhaps not as difficult to get to as we originally thought. Alright, so it's time to get weird. Let's get into why a missing persons case gained worldwide attention. On February 15th, 2013, the LAPD released a video of the last known sighting of Elisa taken in one of the Cecil's elevators. The video is taken from a surveillance camera inside the elevator. It's stationed in one of the corners and it's pointing down into the cabin. So it's easy to see the inside of the elevator as well as the hallway outside. In the video, Elisa can be seen acting very strange. She's seen entering the elevator in the clothes that were found inside the water tank, which is a red zippered hooded sweatshirt over a gray t-shirt, as well as black shorts and sandals. She enters from the left and she goes to the control panel and she selects several floors in a specific order, which was kind of strange. And then she steps back and she stands in the corner. Uh, after a few seconds, the doors don't close for some reason. So she steps up to the door and she leans her head out and she looks around before jumping back in and tries to work the control panel again. Then she continues to step in and out of the elevator in different poses and different ways. She comes at it from one side and then jumps back in, turns around, does it again. She keeps putting her hands over her ears and she seems to keep getting agitated. She keeps returning to the control panel and presses the buttons over and over again before returning to the wall and she kind of hides in the corner like she's hiding from somebody down the hall. And all this time the doors have remained open for an unnecessarily long time for an elevator. At one point she starts rubbing her forearms together and then she waves her hands to her sides with her palms flat and her fingers outstretched. And she starts bowing forward slightly and rocking a little bit. And all of this is happening while she's standing in the doorway and her back is to the camera. And it almost seems like how somebody would move their hands as they're talking to somebody. And at one point she enters the elevator again before finally deciding to leave. And she walks the same direction she came from. And then the doors finally close. So this video got widespread attention from a lot of different news sources. On a Chinese video sharing site called Yuku, it got 3 million views and 40,000 comments in the first 10 days alone. And it became one of those viral things where people would share it just to get a reaction out of people, or people would watch the video and record themselves reacting to it, 
and people found it very unsettling. A lot of people theorized that she was trying to get away from somebody and she went into the elevator in order to escape them. Other people just assumed she was high on ecstasy or something else. But again, the toxicology report showed that there was none detected in her body. And as I mentioned earlier, once her bipolar disorder became known, the reigning theory was that she was just having a psychotic episode. Other people claimed that the video itself had been tampered with because on occasion the video is somewhat grainy and her mouth appears a little pixelized and the timestamp at the bottom is difficult to see. They also claim that parts of the video have been slowed down and that nearly a minute of footage has been removed. Conspiracy theorists believe that this could be done to protect the identity of somebody else in the video, possibly who Lamb was talking to in the hall, and to destroy evidence of her disappearance or her death. Other people choose to focus on her behavior inside the elevator. Again, people think she might have been hiding from somebody who was pursuing her. People refuse to believe that there were no drugs in her system at the time of her death. They think that they might have broken down during her time inside the tank. Other people who have read the autopsy report believe that there are signs of sexual assault, but the pathologist chose to overlook it because of the body's decomposition. But even some of the coroner's own pathologists are not entirely sure that Lamb's death was accidental. And on one interesting note, after her death, her Tumblr blog was continuing to update. Apparently Tumblr has a queue option, which allows posts to automatically publish themselves when the user decides. Her phone wasn't found with her body or in her hotel room, and it's assumed it's been stolen after her death. Whether the posts were posted by the phone thief, the work of a hacker, or Tumblr's queue, which seems the most likely option, we're not entirely sure. If I'm going to be the kind of person who steals somebody's phone, I'm not going to take the time to update their status for no reason. John Smith is gearing up for Friday. Nobody fucking cares. I want my phone back. Anyway, one last big thing I wanted to touch on, and it's about the buttons she was pressing in the elevator's control panel. There is a game that originated on the internet and is popular in Japan and Korea called the Elevator Ritual. In this game, you ride the elevator to different floors in a very specific order, and if you do it in the right way, it is supposed to take you to another world. This other world is supposed to be a lot like ours, except empty and dark. Exploration of the other world is encouraged, but eventually you might get disoriented and forget where you came from. So after reviewing the rules of the elevator ritual and going over the buttons you need to press to be able to travel between parallel dimensions, it does seem to match up to the button combination that Lisa Lamb pressed when she entered the elevator in the video. Being the daughter of Hong Kong immigrants, it's not unreasonable to assume she might have some idea of how this game is played. And given that the rules of the game do mention being disoriented and not being able to find your way back, it does lend credence to the things we see in the video. So here's what I'm going to do. I tracked down the rules to this game, and I'm going to read them out to you, and you can play at your leisure if that's the kind of person you want to be. Quick disclaimer, though, we at Audia do not condone the use of interdimensional travel. You can play this game by yourself, or you can play with multiple people if you're so inclined. You need a public building with a minimum of 10 floors, and obviously you need an elevator. So once the combination has started, if anyone enters the elevator, or if one of the players leaves the elevator, you have to start from the beginning, otherwise it doesn't work. Enter the elevator from whatever floor you want to start on, but the first button you press is for floor number 4. So from the fourth floor, you go to the second floor. Again, if anyone enters the elevator, or if one of the players leaves, you have to start over again. 
After that, from the second floor, you go to the sixth floor, and then back to the second floor. And then you go to the tenth floor, and then the fifth. Now here's where it gets kind of dicey. On the fifth floor, there's a possibility a woman will enter the elevator. You are not to look at her, or speak to her, or even acknowledge her presence. It says very specifically that woman is not a human, and if you do, she may decide to keep you in the other world forever. After the fifth floor and your possible interaction, or lack thereof, with the mystery woman, press the first floor. Now here, one of two things might happen. The elevator will either go to the first floor, in which you leave and you do not look back, or the elevator will actually go up to the tenth floor. As I understand it, if you go to the first floor, the ritual has failed and you do not have access to the other world. But in the event the elevator reaches the 10th floor, then you have made it to the other world. You are able to get off the elevator. At this time, the woman might ask you where you're going or what's wrong, and her voice will be very high-pitched. This is a trick to trap you into the world indefinitely, so again, do not speak to her, do not acknowledge her. Apparently, you'll know you're in the other world if you are alone in the building by yourself, and if any electronics you have on you fail to work. Again, the world is identical to our world, but everything is darker, all the lights will be off, and if you look out any windows, the only thing you'll be able to see is a red cross glowing in the distance. And it doesn't specify, but apparently the cross is the only thing you can see no matter what direction the window is facing. As I stated before, you might feel disoriented and forget which elevator you arrived from. Also, as you try to get back to the elevator you came from, the hallway may stretch and get further and further away from you as you walk toward it. So the makers of the game recommend you stay vigilant and keep your wits about you when you are exploring some manner of parallel hellscape, which to me seems like solid advice. In the event you choose to return to our world, you have to go back to the same elevator you came from and repeat the process exactly. So again, that's 4, 2, 6, 2, 10, and 5. When you reach the fifth floor, you press the button for the first floor again, and the elevator will begin to rise. You have to stop the elevator from reaching the tenth floor. Apparently, if you don't, you are stuck in the world, so you have to hit any other button between 5 and 6 to stop the elevator early. If you're able to stop it successfully, the elevator will go back down to the first floor. From there, you need to check your surroundings very carefully before you exit the elevator, and if anything seems off, they recommend you stay in the elevator and you try again. And from there, if you're comfortable leaving and you're sure you're back where you belong, then you are free to leave. The game also recommends not attempting this too many times because then you could be susceptible to slipping back into the parallel world at any given moment. Now, first of all, what? Remember when you used to go on ghost hunts with your friends and you'd get super creeped out and you'd see shadows with the flashlight, but in the back of your mind you always kind of knew nothing was going to be there because the house was built in 1995 and it really wasn't that creepy of a place to begin with? Whatever happened to that? Or a Ouija board, for that matter. People used to buy Ouija boards, and that was fun. But no, you can't just hunt for a ghost anymore. You have to complete a ritual that'll take you into a nightmare hellscape. That's what the kids are into these days. You don't have to talk to little Susie about practicing safe sex or waiting till she's ready anymore. You have to talk to her about not going to hell for fun. Secondly, let's look into this a little bit more. 
in the very beginning of the rules, it says if anyone gets on the elevator at any point during the ritual, you have to start over again. But then later, it says on floor five, a woman might get on the elevator. That is a direct rule break of what you just said needs to happen. So in that instance, do you start the ritual over again from floor four, even though this woman got on? Because to me, that seems like a plot hole in your internet-based devil incantation. Also, I think it's weird that they have to reiterate that the world is identical to our world, except when you look outside, everything is black and you see a red cross in the distance. I don't need to look outside and see a completely different world than my own to know that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. So to me, this sounds like a rather interesting and intricate creepypasta, but not exactly well thought out. If I was a betting man, I'd say the worst thing that happened to you when you attempt the elevator ritual is being stuck in an elevator for way too long. If you're at all claustrophobic, that sounds like a nightmare just by itself. But when you consider that Elisa Lamb supposedly did the exact same combination while she was acting incredibly strange, then this becomes a lot more interesting than a run-of-the-mill missing persons case. If you believe any of that at all, could Elisa have possibly been in the other world? Maybe our conscious mind enters that other world while our body stays here. Perhaps she stayed in the other world a little too long and was disoriented when she returned to the elevator. And judging by the fact that the elevator stayed open for an unnecessarily long time, perhaps it wasn't the right elevator after all. And maybe at the end of the recording, she was talking to the woman that they've explicitly told her not to. And she ended up getting taken away. But then again, this could just be a girl with severe mental health issues having an episode. Unfortunately, I don't believe that's something that we'll ever actually know. I personally am not opposed to the idea of a parallel universe. Whether that ends up being your interpretation of the afterlife, or it ends up being an alternate reality altogether. I could go at nauseum on that topic, but I also have first-hand experience in issues regarding my mental health, so maybe I'm not the guy to talk to. I think it's a shame that issues regarding mental health are still considered a taboo topic in the world. Obviously, this poor girl struggled with this issue, and her and her family chose to keep it quiet in order to protect her academic standing, and possibly to protect themselves from the opinion of the public. And that's unfortunate, because 9 times out of 10, you have no control over what goes on inside your brain. And that is nothing to be ashamed of. But a lot of people still see it as something to avoid. It seems as soon as Elisa's mental health came under scrutiny, the investigators were quick to chalk it up to a psychotic episode. But I suppose when the alternative is that she traveled through an Event Horizon-style wormhole, Sam Neill, 1997, then it's reasonable to kind of make that assessment. In September of 2013, Lamb's parents filed a wrongful death lawsuit claiming the hotel failed to seek out and inspect hazards that would present an unreasonable risk of danger to hotel guests, and they were seeking payment for unspecified damages as well as the burial costs. The hotel was able to argue that they couldn't have reasonably foreseen that Lamb would have entered a water tank, since at that time they were unable to find out how she got up there in the first place. And unfortunately, the case was dismissed in 2015. Lamb's story would go on to inspire a couple of horror movies, both in Japan and in America. And a similar situation was used in the storyline of the first season of How to Get Away with Murder. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, in 2015, the Cecil Hotel was used as the inspiration for Season 5 of American Horror Story, subtitled Hotel. Series creator Ryan Murphy said that the season was inspired by a video he watched of a young woman entering an elevator in a hotel and never being seen again. 
He didn't clearly state that it was Elisa Lamb, but it's fair enough to assume. So that's the story. And unfortunately, it's one of those things that we're never really going to get the answer to. Whether this pretty Canadian girl was murdered, or if she succumbed to her own issues and ended up getting herself in a situation she couldn't get out of. This isn't one of those things that has a happy ending, and at the end of the day, when you consider those two options, it's difficult to decide which one hurts more. So, how do you segue from something like that? I don't really know. But uh, feel free to review me and uh, give me a five-star review on iTunes. That would go a long way into uh, making sure these things keep going. Uh, Also, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Audiot Podcast. And feel free to check out audiot.com for all the latest. Again, I really appreciate all the feedback you guys gave me last time, and feel free to keep it coming. I, uh, I don't bruise easy, so bring it on. Again, I just want to end by saying that the world is a fucked up place, man. And whether or not this was a murder, or if this was a mental health issue, or if this was interdimensional travel to an evil existence where everybody has crooked handlebar mustaches, the only thing I can say is look after the people you care about and make sure that they know that they're safe. And if you ever get on an elevator and the woman gets on and asks you what's wrong and where are you going, maybe don't answer her. All right, until next time.